Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Unapologetic Live. I'm your host, Amla Epinobi, and today I am dressed like the devil. <laughs> Not because I ever feel like that or want to be equated to that, but because we are doing another segment of Devil's Advocate. On this day in particular, we're going to be talking about free speech, private companies, and does free speech really protect your right to offend other people? So I thought about who I wanted to bring on to discuss this, and I thought I should bring on somebody who's been in the heat of the free speech debate has been affected by the free speech debate, and that is owner and CEO of the Babylon Bee, Seth Dillon. Seth, thank you so much for being on the program. Great to be on the program. Nice costume. Thank you so much. So I'm going to uh, step out of my conservative persona, my normal persona, and step into the leftist one to come after you right now. All right, uh, and let's do it. Let's start Devil's Advocate. Okay, Seth, so before we get into this, I want to establish common ground that we might share uh, as, as a leftist and you as a conservative. Do we share the common ground that most people do not intend to cause harm with the things that they say? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that we do. I mean, I, I think that people try to cause harm with the things that they say. You know, they. Okay. I think that there's a lot of bullying and intimidation that happens where, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make people feel... Uh, we're trying to make people feel like there's going to be a consequence if they speak their mind. Um, mm. So I, I do think that there's a lot of there's there's tactics at play here where uh, right now, you know, people are really worried about what they've said in tweets in the past because they're afraid they might get canceled. Um, you know, they're called horrible names. Everyone on the right has been called a racist at some point. Um, and mm. so, you know, a lot of this name calling, there's a purpose behind it. I don't think that, it, that they necessarily always mean what they say, but there's a reason that they're saying it. And, and the reason they're saying it is to, is to use those words as a weapon to get some kind of result that they want. And it's not necessarily to hurt the person's feelings. It's to hurt the person's standing in the public square and whether or not they're respected and whether or not you, uh, we should even be listening to them. Um, so I think it's a tactic. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, I do think words sort of build a reputation and speak to who you are as a person and that we should be held accountable for the words that we say and the, the harm that we cause. So why why do you think that's wrong? It sounds like you're saying something about that is, is wrong and that we shouldn't engage in this sort of behavior. Well, I mean, you're saying is it is it uh, it's there's something wrong about like engaging in behavior that's aimed at hurting somebody that's what you're saying specifically well, well when well, we when we call people who are racist and things and we go to cancel them or expose them on the internet i think this is just simply holding people accountable for the things that they say and and any reaction is a reaction to the words that you chose to put out into the ether well i think that you can there can be consequences to one's actions and words i think there's no question that in some cases that there should be but if the mm -hmm. consequence for speaking freely is that you're no longer allowed to speak anymore and you're deplatformed and you're silenced, then you weren't, then you weren't really, there is no free speech in that context. You can't speak freely. So what you're telling people when you're telling them that they have to be deplatformed for saying something that you don't like is that they don't really have free speech, that they shouldn't be allowed to say those things. So we either have free speech or we don't. Okay, uh, interesting. Okay, so uh, clearly we don't share common ground on that particular <laughs> idea. <laughs> let's let's talk about another one. Is it is it wrong to do something with the sole intent of causing harm? I would say that it's wrong when people go out and say things with the sole intent of offending and harming others. 
Well, um, yes. Um, when it comes to causing harm, I think where we might disagree is what constitutes harm and what can actually cause it. Um, you know, remember that old saying, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Um, you know, you, we are responsible for how we respond to things that people say and how that affects us. I think that a lot of the responses that you see from people who are super offended and super hurt that somebody said something they don't like, I think a lot of that is feigned indignation. I think that's people who are pretending to be offended so that they can get the upper hand in the situation without having to actually argue on the merits of, of you know, what their position is. Mm, interesting. But I, I do think there are people, we have sort of unintentional harm. Like Babylon B can put out a headline without the intent of causing harm to a group of people, and people can then feel that harm and attack you. And I've seen that happen on multiple occasions, and I would say that that form of speech for you is protected. But then you have these sort of radical extremists who we would call neo-Nazis, alt-right people who are on Twitter and somehow allowed to be on these platforms and say things like racial slurs or slurs about sexual identities or gender-based slurs. And, and these ideas don't do anything other than cause harm. They're not free-flowing ideas. They're not trying to have a debate. They're not trying to bring in a new idea into the town square. They're just mm -hmm. trying to harm people. And I don't see why we as a country need to platform people like this. I think legally that should be seen as abuse and they should be uh, prosecuted in whatever way we can to get them off of these platforms and stop them from saying these things. Do prosecuted. you think speech like okay. that? <laughs> well, you, you know, think speech like that should be protected. One thing. So, so, I mean, this, that knife cuts both ways because you have people on the left who are, who say horrible things about people on the right. They call them Nazis. They call them racist. Sometimes, you know, you mentioned like, uh, uh, you specifically mentioned, you know, racists or, or, you know, people using slurs, bigots, mm -hmm. um, you know, oftentimes people are smeared with those terms when they're not really bigots. Uh, what should be the consequence for that? I, I think that one of the issues is that uh, I think there's a misunderstanding. There's a caricature of the position on the right that the right is looking for um, when they, when they talk about free speech on these platforms or restoring free speech in the public square, they're, they're talking about an anything goes environment where, there's no rules. You can say whatever you want. You can you can be out there specifically to try to cause harm or incite violence or something like that. Um, and that's not the case at all. It's certainly not the case with what Musk is trying to do with Twitter. Um, you know, when you think of the town square, you think of a forum where the First Amendment applies, where, you know, there can be no laws abridging what you're able to say. You, you can't have restrictions on your speech um, within what's within what's already lawful, you know, what, within what's acceptable under the, under our laws, which do uh, restrict us from saying certain things. Like you can't legally incite violence under the First Amendment. Um, that's not mm -hmm. protected speech. So there are some things that are not considered protected speech. I don't think that a call for free speech means that it's a call for anything goes. It's a, it's a call for lawful speech in the town square. And if the, the modern digital age that we're in, the town square is these social networks, these social platforms, then if we're going to have free speech, it means that, that the First Amendment rules need to apply on those platforms. Otherwise, the places where people are actually speaking and listening, you don't have First Amendment protections there. And what's the point of having a First Amendment if you don't have them where people are speaking and listening?
Mm, okay, fair enough. And I, I do think a lot on, on my side of things that there are sort of radical leftists who do get offended by everything, even when the harm is unintentional and try to deplatform people. And I think that's a shame because how are we supposed to discuss our ideas and, and get to a conclusion if we can't even have that discussion? But mm. as far as, you know, First Amendment protections, you know, in, under the First Amendment, you can't go into a crowded theater and yell fire because what? That that's thing that you've said has now caused people to to freak out, to run around. It it actually causes harm to others and you can be held accountable for that. And and that should be illegal. It's not protected under the First Amendment. Don't you think that a lot of what the Babylon Bee does and a lot of your fellow conservatives by p- promoting these false narratives, promoting disinformation, like your headline about Rachel Levine being the the woman of the year. Don't you think that is essentially yelling fire in a crowded theater? Because you've you've made a false false accusation calling Rachel Levine, uh, you know, a man inherently is what you're trying to say with that. And then other conservatives who are looking at your stuff feel emboldened to then go and cause harm and commit violence against trans people. So you've essentially yelled fire, created chaos, and you should be held accountable for that. And that's not protected by the First Amendment. I don't think they're the same thing. And I think that um, there's, you know, there's a difference of opinion on what's true, right? I Mm. think that, and this is where free speech comes into the picture, because we have to be free to debate what's true. And so, you know, on on the one side, you have a lot of people who believe that it's possible for a biologically male person to say, I am a woman now and I, and I identify as a woman, therefore I am actually a woman. Um, and then you have people who say, no, that's not possible. You're either a man or a woman. And that goes bone deep. That's biological in its, in its nature. Um, and that's a, that's a conversation that needs to be had. That's a debate that needs to be had. If, if, you, if you say that um, calling Rachel Levine as a man is misgendering Rachel Levine, um, then you're begging the question in favor of the progressive ideology, which says that it's possible for a man to become a woman. Um, That just begs the question. It assumes what needs to be proved. Is it possible for a man to become a woman? Well, you know, people on the right would say, no, it's not possible. And so either we're going to have that debate or we're not. If we shut down the debate and say that anyone who lands on the right side of that debate is hateful or trying to cause harm, uh, then there is no debate. You win by default. And we can't actually discuss these issues. So I think there's value in free speech where the intent is to get at the truth, not to harm people. And I, w- and I would say this, too, and I think this is an important point. Mm-hmm. The truth is not hate speech. So if the right is right about this particular issue, then simply saying the truth, you know, saying that two and two make four or that men are men and can't become women um, is not a hateful thing to say. I don't think that the, the truth can possibly be considered hate speech. Um, it may hurt someone's feelings. You know, the truth can be harsh, um, but it, it can't be hate speech uh, because it's just reality. And so reality may make us feel uncomfortable sometimes or it may, it may confront us with, with things that we don't like, but it's, but it's not hateful. It can be harsh, but it's not hateful. So I think that's important. And I, I also think that speaking the truth to somebody, even somebody who doesn't want to hear it, can be a very loving and compassionate thing. I, I don't think mm. that it's necessary the loving and compassionate thing to lie to somebody or affirm, uh, or affirm lies that they're telling themselves uh, just to make them feel better. In fact, I think that causes harm. So if you want to lie to kids, for example, and tell kids that, they, that little boys can become girls or little girls can become boys, um, and then they go and they have a, a, a permanent 
physical transition that they go through that they later come to regret and then kill themselves as a result of that deep regret, I think you've harmed somebody. I think you've harmed somebody in a very tangible way. So, you know, if you want to talk about harming people, I think that lying to them harms them a lot more than telling them the truth. And we would disagree about where the truth lies. Uh, exactly. And you said that, you know, this is in the interest of debate and being able to, to shape these ideas and come to a conclusion. I'd argue that scientists already have. They've already come to the conclusion that this this ideology and this affirmation is is pretty sound when it comes to this. So what exactly are you accomplishing by denying science, denying what's in the DSM-5, denying what psychologists and psychiatrists and and transgender doctors say about say about this stuff? Well, I think that um, ideologically driven science is one of the biggest problems that we're going to be facing in uh, we're already facing it, but we're going to be facing it more and more in the future is, is the idea that science has spoken, you know, science has, has made its proclamation. Statements by scientists are not necessarily statements of science. Statements by scientists are not necessarily statements of science. Science, scientists have all kinds of uh, agendas and interests that they're trying to advance. Um, and you'll, you know, you'll find no shortage of, of, of people who, uh, who, who, you know, in the medical profession or in, or or in scientific fields and, and biology. It's, it's interesting, by the way, when we, we talk about biology, um, you know, we had a Supreme Court nominee who said, who, re, who refused to define what a woman is because they, she was not herself a biologist. And so she couldn't define what a woman is. Um, mm. it, it, you know, those, those slips of the tongue are interesting because I thought it wasn't supposed to be about biology, right? This isn't supposed to be about biology. Your sex isn't supposed to determine, determine your gender. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. We talk about how science has settled this, but then when you actually start asking questions and you say, well, what is a woman exactly? What is a woman? You know, people on the left, when they try to define that, they say, oh, well, a woman is whoever identifies as a woman. Okay. So a woman is whoever identifies as someone who identifies as a woman. Like you've, you've gone nowhere. You're going in circles. You haven't actually defined what a woman is. And you start getting away from reality and into this realm of feelings where science has no place whatsoever. You know, if, you, if you're just simply talking about, I, I feel like what I am, I feel like I'm a tiger today, or I feel like I'm a black man, uh, or I feel like I'm a, a, a seven foot four Asian man. Um, you know, those feelings have no connection to reality. And so you can't bring science to bear on the truth or falsity of, of those statements. Other than, I mean, other than to say, well, this is what I actually am in the real world, physically what I am, and my feelings contradict that. Um, you know, scientists can say, oh, those feelings are valid, I guess, uh, but they can't attach those feelings to the real world and say, well, they correspond to reality in some way. And I think that science should be tethered to reality. Interesting. Well, I, I think I we will probably continue to disagree on that point of whether or not the science is settled. And I also think that that Supreme Court nominee at the time should have probably consulted a transgender person before even talking about whether or not biology has anything to do with it. I think she did our ideology a, a disservice in that in that discussion. But for the interest of time, since we have very little time left, we're going to move on here. I want to talk about sort of physical versus mental health, because I think this plays a role in free speech and this sort of right to defend to offend that I think a lot of conservatives are are defending and, and saying that we have the right to do. Do you view physical and mental health to be equally important? Uh, well, first, let me ask, do you think it's okay to offend me? You know, I think there's room to talk about that. And we should have sort of a, a town square 
as you say, to discuss when when harm is being committed. It's the same thing we've done with with physical abuse. There are parents that spank their children. And at a certain point, that becomes abuse. And we've decided that as a society, we've come together and we've wrote it into law. Why could we not do the same with with words and this mental abuse that we're seeing on the Internet? Well, I think I would I would go back to what I said a moment ago about how the, you know, you got to be careful with that stuff because it cuts both ways. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody on the left is afraid of offending somebody like me um, and, and you know, uh, you know, calling me names or saying horrible things to me or trying to make me feel bad or trying to guilt me into changing my position or, or trying to vilify me in some way by smearing me and attaching um, horrible labels to me. Um, you know, there's... Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. They're they're allowed to do that. Um, and and whether well, or not I, I that- must interject, you are you are a, a white male, so you do have this sort of inherent privilege of being born in this country anyway. So, is anybody really taking power or privilege away from you by by offending you? I don't think that anybody's power or privilege is diminished by them being offended. I think that you know being offended is something that's in our own control. Personally, we can Mm. either view ourselves as victims of what someone else has said or done, uh, or not, you know, and that's a choice. That's a choice of how you, how you view yourself. You know, if you can identify as another sex, you can certainly identify as not being offended by whatever somebody just said and not be bothered by it so much. Shake it off. Taylor Swift, shake it off. Right. Um, you know, we have, we have decided, uh, interestingly that, you know, uh, that words are violence and violence is, is speech. Um, you see all kinds of uh, riotous behavior and violence in the streets when when people are rising up and wanting to do something about some kind of injustice. Sometimes there is an injustice, and and maybe you know they should be upset about it. Um, but they'll engage in violent behavior, and, and that and that gets a pass. But then you know somebody on the other side says something offensive, and that's treated as if it was some kind of physical violent crime. Um, and I think we've inverted that, and and I think that that's I think that that's harmful uh, if we want to talk about harm because. Uh, when you mislabel things, when you mistreat them, when you when you when you act like there's something that they're not, um, you're leaving reality. And I don't, you know, words are not words are not violent physical crimes that need to be met with prison sentences like that. Um, and so, and 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 you know, both sides do their part to insult and try to tear down the other and and make them feel uncomfortable or try or try to be provocative and offend them. So. That knife cuts both ways. You know, if you're going to shut that down, uh, then you have to shut it down on the other side, too. And you can't treat people differently on the basis of their skin color. You know, to try to act like white men should be treated differently just because they're white is to engage in the kind of racism that supposedly you you have an an issue with. We're going to just, I think, continue to disagree here, Seth. I wish we had more time to discuss these things. But as Ibram X. Kendi would say, you know, we we have to fix the the past discrimination that that my people went through with current discrimination. And and that discrimination, unfortunately, uh, I know you were born into privilege, but it is going to apply to you. I, I guess my final question here is, would you like to see anything happen in terms of freedom of speech? Are there any changes we need to make? Is there any regulation we need to have? And if you could do that tomorrow, Tomorrow, what would you do, and what would you tell people? Well, I think that the I think that the biggest change that needs to be made is that people need to be um, allowed to disagree and debate these issues without trying to shut them down forcibly with terms of service and content moderation rules that favor one side of the political or ideological ideological debate. If you have uh, ideology uh, and political viewpoints uh, and worldview 
uh, baked into the terms of service of these platforms that are, in effect, the town square, um, then one side is favored and you don't actually have open debate. And if you don't have open debate, then, you know, it's 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 more like an authoritarian system than democratic system where people are able to kind of discuss these things and come to, um, you know, an understanding of what's true or not. The, the The biggest problem that we have is this idea that that there's misinformation out there that we can't let people see and we can't let people hear. No, nobody's in a position to be the arbiter of that. You know, we've seen that very clearly with Twitter. Twitter has made very poor judgment calls on what should be uh, out there as true or misinformative. Um, you know, people need to be able to debate what's true. And, and we need to treat people like adults who can reach their own conclusions uh, and not abridge their speech. Because the, the answer to a bad argument, the answer to a false claim uh, is a rebuttal, is is a refutation, um, you know, not shutting down the speaker of that false claim. Because what if you're wrong? What if tomorrow that false claim turns out to be true? I mean, that happens all the time. Um, so, you know, we, we, we need to we need to be fostering debate, not shutting it down. And I will let you have the last word on that, Seth. I'm stepping out of my <laughs> leftism. T- I must say, it's very hard to defend their views when it comes to free speech. I was like looking at all these different scenarios of people debating this in Oxford and all this stuff and just think, how could anybody defend not having a f- the full scope of freedom of speech in this country? And it's it's unbelievable. So I hope if you guys are watching and you do represent the progressive left on this, that I did your views some justice. If there's something that you feel like I did not say that I should have said or was inaccurate, put that in the comments down below. Seth, thank you so much for, for being on. You you did fantastic. Oh, I you. wasn't expecting to catch you at any <laughs> point. <laughs> and I, I love the work that you do. I'm wondering if you could tell the audience, you know, everything it is that you do and how they can support you, how they can find the work that you're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're the Babylon Bee. We don't always have serious debates and discussions like this because primarily we're doing satire on the internet. So you can find us right. at BabylonBee.com. I encourage people if they're going to follow us to follow us by getting on our email list so that you're not uh, trying to follow us on social media, which could go away at any minute the moment we get suspended because we're currently locked out of Twitter. So we can't be tweeting anymore. But um, we'll see. Maybe that'll change in the near future. But um, yeah, get on that list so we have communication with you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be hopping to do that if they're not fans already. I just did your your Babylon Bee podcast yesterday, and it was just amazing. And your crew is fantastic. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on and getting in the hot seat to actually debate, which I think something is something that we need more of in today's day and age. And I would love to see the Babylon Bee back on Twitter so we can watch your satire spark debates as well. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you. That was fun.